You're like, all of it suck. Okay, and you're like, you need to pick one, and that's how you want to be punished. Okay, so I didn't know God works like that as well. So uh, a prophet comes to David and says, cool, the Lord is angry with you, but he's giving you three options of how you want to be punished. Okay, I don't know if God works like that, but he says, um, either it's three years of famine. Okay, now you must know if God says you're not going to eat, there's going to be nothing. All right, three years of famine. All three months of your enemies coming against you and they're constantly overrunning you. So that must be sucky as well. Okay, you know you're going to go into battle and you know you're going to lose. All right? Or, um, and that's one of the things, but it's, it's a risk willing to take. Okay, some are going to die, some are going to live. It's kind of like a time we're in now. Okay? And uh, it's a risk I'm willing to take. Or three days of the Lord coming against you with his sword. Now, I'm reading that and I'm going option one or two. <laughs> All right? And I have a picture in my mind that if God is coming against me and I was wrong, I'm going to die. So there's no chance I'm taking that. I'll go for the three years of famine or for the other one. Some are going to die, some are going to live. But I'm not willing to risk that thing, okay? And David says something that blew my mind, okay? And I, we can put that up. I don't know if you have that one. Uh, First Chronicles. Um, Thank you. Verse 13. Yes, babes, you got this, okay? David said to Gad, which was the messenger, he said, I am in deep distress. Let me fall into the hands of the Lord, for His mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into the hands of men. And David does something which blew me. It's like his first response was, I know that God can destroy me. But rather let me fall into the hands of God, because His mercy is very great. But do not let me fall into the hands of men. And I was, so, I was so challenged with it. And now Andrew is busy with his uncorrupted faith series of we paint the God who we want him to be, which is not. And I'm like, I don't have a picture of the mercy of God that when I'm wrong, that God can show me mercy. And I would have chosen, to be honest, I would have gone for the other two. <laughs> and David chooses this one. He says, the Lord's mercy is great. I know I'm wrong. I know. And God has full right to kill me. And so he chooses that. And the Lord does come. And 70,000 men die. Now you must know, 70,000 men, but it's not David. <laughs> All right, try to sort that one out in an offended heart, okay? It's like 70,000 people die. It's not the guy who sinned. You, you and your family pay for him. And, um, and on the second day, it says that the Lord came to Jerusalem, and the angel was standing with a sword in his hand, day two. Okay, there's two days to go. He can wipe it out. And it says, and the, and the Lord saw that David and the rest of the elders, oh, there's a mosquito. It's winter, dude. Um, anyway, um, it says that the Lord saw that David and the elders were busy mourning and repenting, and they had ashes on their head and sackcloth on them. They were repenting before God. And it says that His mercy rushed upon them, and He, and he stopped, and He told the angel to relent. They too. All right? And David looked, and he saw the angel standing at this field with his sword in his hand. Now, I don't know how big this thing must have been, but it, I think it was big. All right? And he says that the angel stopped, and the Lord said, I want you to go and buy that field and make a sacrifice there. And some of you might remember this, but I shared this last year in one of the preachers that David goes, and the guy says to him, no, man, take the field, and here's some cattle and whatever. And David says to him, no, 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 I want to buy it from you for the full price, because far be it from me to offer anything to the Lord that cost me nothing. He says, I'll pay for this, because I was wrong, all right? And he pays for it, and he gets all his own cattle and whatever, and he sacrifices to God. A beautiful story, man. But then, what, what made it even more intense is, I don't know this, but that very spot, it goes on in chapter 22, that it says that that spot where David sacrificed became the place where Solomon built the temple. 
And for years, generations after that, all the Israelites would come to that spot to offer sacrifices to the Lord to find mercy with God. Isn't it beautiful? Generations to come, that spot where one man paid a price for his sin. He found mercy with God, but actually it opened up for generations to come to find mercy with God there. Beautiful, man. And I, I want to say, I think we are in a time where it might look different for us. We, we're not a commander of an army at the moment, I say, but we're in a time where there's a real temptation. Each one in his own, I want to say your own um, world almost, okay? A temptation to want to look at what do I have under my control and what can I do with it? How much can I save out of this time? How much can I take into my own hands to make it work? And I want to say, guys, we know that it's not us ever who made it work. When your business was flourishing, it wasn't you. It was actually the Lord. Okay? When you got the job, it actually wasn't you. It was the mercy and the favor of God. We know that it's actually God who goes before us and is doing it. It's not us. Yeah. And um, does it make sense? You guys with me? And, um, and the temptation now is to want to take things into our own hands and say, oh, make it work. But actually we need to come to a place to and say, God, it's actually better to be in the hands of God than in the hands of men. It's better in your hands, Lord. And um, I'm, I'm running ahead of myself here. But um, another thing that I, that I was just so challenged on, and I meant that, is that, or that I mentioned earlier, was that the mercy of God, I think it's a picture for us that we don't fully grasp. Our God rushes to meet us with mercy when we humble ourselves. Even when we're wrong. Even if it was the deal that he could kill you. <laughs> He rushed with mercy towards them. And I think there's a picture also, especially probably for Afrikaans people, I think. We grew up with quite a staunch view of God, if you're like me. General Jesus, okay? Like, it's like if you're wrong, you're wrong, okay? And it's like God wants to come and show you that He's a merciful God who loves to meet humility. All right? And, um, and I pray that we can get, God, get to know God like that. That we can say, man, it's better in the hands of God than the hands of men. He's full of mercy, full of kindness. Um, I'm missing something here. I feel like I'm going off my path. <laughs> just sort of, sorry, I just want to see you quickly. And um, the other thing, my, yeah, I, I want to share this uh, story about my dad. Some of you might know this. I think Mike would have heard some of these stories. But my dad has a pretty interesting job, okay? So by the way, can all the dads quickly stand up for me, please? All right. Great. Okay. Happy Father's Day. Mike Davis, please stand there, man. Come on, yes. Okay, so you can keep standing. I, I forgot about this in the beginning, okay? But can we, as the rest of the guys, I'm not a dad, okay, just if you're wondering. So, but for the rest of us, can we quickly stretch out our hands to them and just bless them? I'm going to go back to my preach now. But Lord, we do want to bless the dads, the fathers in our congregation today, Lord. And I, I just want to pray, even as we're sharing about breaking something open for generations after us, about finding mercy with God, Lord, may these be men who can break something open in their families for generations to come to find mercy with God. Lord, as we celebrate them today, we just pray, God, that you, in a sense, with your mercy, rush to them again. And that they, like David, would not take things into their own hands, but humble themselves before you and say, it is better in your hands than in my own hands. We bless them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right. Sorry, I, I forgot. I want to do that in the beginning, but I think the timing was cool there. I want to share a story about my dad. Okay? Now, my dad has a pretty, pretty interesting job. Okay? He's, he's a medical researcher. 
So they, if anybody's here from the Greenpeace, I'm so sorry, okay, but this is just this is how I grew up, okay, and some of you are thankful for it. But what my dad does is he, they would do like open heart transplant surgeries on a sheep and, and let the sheep then and like take good care of it, okay, give it more feed and whatever, and let the sheep live for like three, three months. Then they would kill it to see what happened to the heart to try and, yeah, it's heavy, eh? <laughs> so, to try and see if you can do that on the sheep, this is what it will do to humans, those kind of things, okay? And so, and also another part of my dad's job is if one of you is maybe an organ donor and you die, my dad is the guy who goes and fetch it, all <laughs> right? So for me growing up, it was nothing weird to open our fridge and there would be a human heart in our fridge, all right? It was, it was pretty normal. Um, so if, if I was part of Josh Jen back in the days to say what is in my fridge is yours and yours is mine, it would have, it would have gone terribly wrong, all right? So uh, it was quite normal for us to see odd things, all right? And so, anyway, it's a, I love my dad's job. It's pretty fascinating. So but those sheep, when they are done with them, that sheep is um, worth about 80,000 rand because of all the stuff that they've done to it. Okay? It's a pretty pricey sheep. So this is a long story that I'm going off here. Okay? But, so one day there was a guy across the university whose dog escaped, and it killed eight of the sheep. And the guy was like, oh, man, I'm so sorry. Eight times 800 probably, that's what a sheep's worth. It was just a, and my dad said, dude, I think you need to call your insurance. You've got a big problem here, okay? It's like almost a, a million bucks that you need to, uh, to pay us, okay? It was a, anyway, that's funny. Point of the story. So at the, at the place where they keep all these animals, there are like these baboons and whatever that they do all tests on and whatever. And then every now and then, in a, I think every week probably, like Woolworths and Pick a Pay, you know when their food goes off past the expiry date, they're not allowed to sell it. So they would send it to this place, and, and then the, the baboons would get all these yogurt and whatever, okay? And they, they would live long here, okay? They would have lack of food that they can't sell. They get all these Woolies food, okay? So it's a, it's a joy to the suffering, you know, in the mix of it. So, but there was a time where my mom didn't work and my dad, he worked for the state, he didn't earn a big salary. And I remember there was quite a long stint actually in our lives where we didn't have cash to make it through the month with all the expenses to buy food. And my dad would load us in the car and we would go to the baboon cages and when they drop off the food, we would try and pick up the, the good stuff, um, like that is not completely off, take it home and that's our, f- our food for the month, all right? Super humbling, super humiliating, ne? But what my dad trained us in this time, guys, we will rather eat baboon food, but give generously into the kingdom of God, always. And I remember times where we had nothing to eat and a child off Willie's food or pick a pay food, but we always gave more than 10% into the kingdom of God, always. And what my dad did there is he opened something for us as a family. It's better in the hands of God than in the hands of men, always. You know, and there were some months where we would get lank lacquer stuff, okay? And it was, it was like, how did we even get this? And then there were some months where everything sucked, okay? But it's better in the hands of God than the hands of men, always. And I want to say to us as a church, guys, one of the things during lockdown that which we expected is that our tithing would probably take a big dive, okay? Because money is going, so we need to clamp down, all right? And I want to say from us as elders today, month after month, I get a... Um, a report from the office where as our Malkbush congregation, our tithing actually increased by 30,000 rand a month. <laughs> All right? And I don't know how, okay? But I want to say to you guys, well done. Well done for in a time where humanly it made sense. Keep what you have. Take it into your own hands. Actually, we gave more than ever before. All right? And I want to say, man, when I got that first email and the second email and the third email, I cried, man. 
I said, to the, I said to God, I'm privileged to be part of a people who doesn't only love God in their words, but really in their actions. And love God passionately, even with our, with our cash, in tough times. Our pantry fund has probably increased by 40,000 rand. All right? And we've handed out way more than normal. Guys, I want to say to you, well done for trusting the Lord in a time where actually it, was, it would have been wise in human eyes to keep. But to say it's better in the hands of God than in the hands of men. All right? Well done. It was amazing. And I was uh, super proud of you guys. And I want to encourage you to keep doing it. All right? Right now we can't send tithe boxes around. This is not for money, okay? But I say there's something about loving God with cash. Better in the hands of God. Better in the hands of God. Better in the hands of God. I love it. All right? So well done for that. I'm super proud of you guys, man. Um, there's, a, there's a verse in, um, in Psalm 20, verse 7. It says, Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And, and I want to say again, like for the fathers, but actually for all of us, guys, the choices we make in this time, I think we can open stuff up for generations to come. For, for people who are going to come to church after us to really say, it is better in the hands of God and in the hands of men. Some trust in that. And like, would you put up the other, other verse? I want to say that Psalm 33 one. So someone who was here this morning, they, they didn't know what I preached on, sent us a message in the week. And I get this. And, and so they, they didn't know what I'm going to preach on, all right? But it says, no king is saved by the size of his army. And I was like, okay, let's listen here, okay? I know what this is on about. It says, no warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. And I want to say, a horse in the Bible, it often speaks of um, strength, power, like um, stuff under you. Horse was a wealthy thing, okay? As money, it can, it be, it's a vain hope of deliverance in today's terms, all right? Despite all its great strength, it cannot save us. And, and whatever it is that we want to take under our control in this time, it's, sometimes it can be a thing of, you can just go back one, babes. it can be a great strength, but it cannot save us. It's God who saves. Yeah. Thanks, babes. And then he says, but the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear Him, on those whose hope is in His unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. How's that? Yeah. In times of tough, like in times of struggle, what's going to keep us alive in famine? Not our strength. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. We wait um, in hope for the Lord. He is our help and He is our shield. In Him we trust. In, uh, in Him our hearts rejoice. For our trust is in His holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in You. Man, that is a prayer in my heart for this season. Eh? It's like, Lord, may our my hope in You. As we, um, may your unfailing love rest upon us as we trust in You. As our hope is in You. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hand over to Bari soon, and we're going we're gonna to worship God. But I think there's something of us that we can come tonight and say, Lord, I realize I, there were so many things that I wanted to take into my own strength. But I want to put it back in, in the arms of the Lord tonight and say, we trust in your unfailing love. We look to the Lord. We, look to, we trust in His name. We come back to Him tonight. Amen? Yes, it's so hard to read your faces. Like, I don't know what's going on here. All right. And um, so maybe you can just put it on the last slide. So many of you might have heard that we are not allowed to sing together tonight, okay? And that sucks, okay? When I heard that, I almost toy-toyed, okay? As I, um, anyway, I heard we can have a protest of, of up to 100 people. So for those of you who want to protest outside next Sunday, we can do that, okay? <laughs> so that's just a joke. Don't do that, okay? So, um, but... Um, 
Anyway, so we're not allowed to sing, unfortunately. So, but what I've done is I've got different ways how we can worship tonight. We are going to worship, okay? And singing is not the only option. Unfortunately, I'm the only guy allowed to sing tonight. Sorry, okay? But um, there are different ways that we can worship God. So firstly, I just put up there singing so you know I'm not lying, okay? And then, but then the Bible speaks of bowing down. In reverence of God, okay? And maybe tonight we can come physically with our bodies and we can bow before the Lord in reverence as we realize that He's king and we are not tonight. Yeah? Kneeling. I don't know. Maybe some of you need to go on your, knee, on your knees tonight and kneel before the Lord in reverence as we worship Him. All right? Clapping of hands. I like this one, okay? It makes a noise. Yeah? And uh, in Psalm 47, verse 1, it says, To the choir master, a psalm of the sons of Korah, it says, Clap your hands, all peoples. Uh, don't do this tonight, okay? But shout to God with loud songs of joy. Okay, so we can do the first part tonight. But there were times in the Bible, also in Chronicles, okay, good book, it's that God called the army together and says, I want you guys to give me a clap offering. Imagine 1.1 million people clapping unto the Lord. He loved it. Okay, it was beautiful to God. Guys, I even want to say tonight, if it's, even if it's not on rhythm, just clap, all right? Clap unto the Lord, man. Um, dancing, okay? I want to encourage you, some of you need to dance tonight. Jenna, it's your time, but for all of us, okay? This morning, uh, I mean, not to put him on a block, but guess who was the guy who danced this morning? Andre Carlitz, all right? I was like, the Lord is alive, okay? Like, but there was something often, man, when he, when he danced with Emily this morning, I was like, I, I think it's beautiful to the Lord. As he worshipped God this morning. Alright? I didn't mean to throw the guy under the bus, by the way. It was just beautiful for me. Alright? Then there's this one, and that challenged me. Because I would think worship, I always want to encourage you guys, come to the front, loud unto God. Okay, that's worship, okay? But then, silence can be worship unto God. Psalm 46 verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I'm God. I'll be exalted among the nations, and I'll be exalted among the earth. And sometimes I would think if God speaks about exaltation, it means loud. But sometimes there needs to be a stillness and no, He's God. He's here. All right? When the presence of God comes, it's like, there have been times before when the presence of God comes, it's like, I don't want to say a word. God's here. There's that. Yeah? Waiting. Psalm 130 verse 5 it says, I wait for the Lord. My whole being waits. And in His word, I put my hope. And I want to say, tonight, worship, please, guys, don't look at me. When we worship like this, okay? There can be an active waiting on God to say, God is here. Where are you, God? Like when I read Chronicles, I went through that because, God, you're in here. I know you're in here. I'm going to find you today. And we can wait upon the Lord actively tonight as we seek Him. And Bori is going to go from here, but I, we fully believe that God wants to come again and pour out His Spirit on us tonight. I, I'll be honest, guys, during lockdown, I had great ambitions to grow my faith. And I, I grew in some areas. But there's also been areas of my heart which has gone seriously dry. <laughs> and, or numb. Just like, man, I just don't know. What's, and and like when we sang, even this morning, it's like water. It feels like water to my soul, really, to dry land. <laughs> it's what it feels like. It's like God wants to come and pour out afresh. Wake us up. And uh, I want to, are you guys with me? Are you expecting with me? So I'm going to hand over to Bori. Let me just clean this thing. It is anointing, but you know, for, for the law. <laughs> so, and then leaders, and I'm going to open the mic. You come join me, bro.